Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hello, everyone. This is an episode in our Step 2 and Shelf Exam Study Smarter series. Inside the Boards, it's High Yield Med Ed for free. Here we go. Hi, everyone. This is Amy Chattel, your friendly MS4 host, and I'd like to get this podcast started off. So for starters, I'd like to introduce Dr. Lisa Costello. She is a lifelong West Virginian who hails from Weirton, West Virginia, and completed a combined internal medicine and pediatrics residency at West Virginia University. During residency at a state level, she served as the resident board member on the West Virginia Political Action Committee. At a national level, she served on the American Academy of Pediatrics section on medical students, residents, and fellowship trainees executive committee. She is currently an assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics at WVU in Morgantown, West Virginia, and a pediatric hospitalist at WVU Medicine Children's Hospital. She is co-director of the Pediatrics Clerkship, leads a healthcare literacy and patient advocacy curriculum thread for the MD program, and is the advisor for the student advocates impacting decision on healthcare. Dr. Costello currently serves as the president of the West Virginia chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, vice president of the West Virginia State Medical Association, vice chair of Westpac, and board of directors for the West Virginia Children's Health Insurance Program. Dr. Costello is also currently serving as an advisor to the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources during the COVID pandemic response through the Bureau for Public Health. And then lastly, at a national level, she is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on State Government Affairs. Basically, she's a very busy lady, and I am thrilled to have her on our podcast today. She is the person in my area to talk to about advocacy, and I really wanted to talk about advocacy today because I feel like it's not talked about enough in the medical education space, and I honestly believe it deserves more airtime. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce and welcome Dr. Costella to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, as you can tell, I am just like over the moon excited that you are here and joining us today. I'm always excited to talk about advocacy. So thanks for having me. So just to give you and our listeners a little bit of a run through of how this episode's going to work, 
We're going to talk a little bit about the topic of advocacy, get into a few topics from the PEDS clerkship that I always feel show up on shelves or in-house exams or boards, and then just wrap up with a few like pointers of high yield things that you should remember from this episode. So just, you know, getting straight into the interview, what really drew you to your advocacy work in the first place? This is a great question, Amy, and I, in my different experiences, have frequently reflected, and I would encourage everyone to engage in some reflection. Obviously, we're going in a pandemic, but as I've journeyed through my medical education career, I've really found the importance to take time to reflect on whether it's your goals or what drives you and kind of at our university, our, our vice president always talks about like, what's your why? What's your purpose of doing whatever you're doing? And we all have different interests, which is good. And so when I reflect on how I got involved in advocacy, I really go back to preschool, believe it or not. I mean, I'm so like calling myself out as a pediatrician right now, <laughs> because when I was in preschool, I got selected to go kind of give a check to the Jerry Lewis telethon that was for muscular dystrophy. And my preschool had kind of raised money. And it's really the first time that I remembered seeing people who were different than me because I had seen, you know, children were there that were in wheelchairs and, and I had not really been around that. And it really was my first exposure kind of to, to people other than myself. And I just remembered the importance of people speaking up and trying to raise awareness and in that situation, raising money about a particular condition. And so as I journeyed really through elementary school, I was involved in things like student council, and then throughout high school was involved in different leadership opportunities all the way through undergrad. And then when I got to medical school, I really found that I was so passionate about speaking up about different actions or different areas that I thought needed improvement. And I had done that in undergrad through student government. But when I got to med school, I was kind of like, I felt a little bit of a void, like, how can I use my voice in this space? And so I joined the American Academy of Pediatrics as a second year medical student, actually. And it really became my professional home. And when I talk about advocacy a lot, I talk about things I've learned through the AAP, but I have also gotten involved through the American Medical Association. And now at our institution, we've created a student group that you mentioned. Uh, we call it SEDO or Student Advocates Impacting Decisions on Healthcare. But for me, you know, it really was just a matter of, I've always been interested in things like health policy. And if I saw something that I felt like I could help make better, I really wanted to do that. And I think it was just cultivated from that young age where my parents were always getting involved in things like PTA or helping with our local baseball association. And it was just my way of trying to help to give back. And so as I've journeyed through life and through my medical education, I really wanted to use my voice to try to speak out on behalf of others. And that's really when you get down to the core of advocacy, that's what advocacy is. It's just simply put like speaking out on your patient's behalf, or you could fill in whatever, you know, our profession's behalf, you know, there's different definitions for it. But that's when I think of advocacy, I think about speaking out on, on behalf of others, and, you know, really moving more from in the medical space from treating one patient to really treating a broader network of people. 
And so as I've journeyed through my career, you know, obviously when I was in student council in elementary school, it was a big deal that we like planted trees, which was <laughs> awesome. You know, we raised money so that we could like plant trees and that was awesome. And now, you know, in my medical education, when I'm advocating, whether it's for immunizations or healthcare coverage, I'm able to help more people than I can maybe on any given day when I'm on the, the pediatric wards and we have a census of five or 10 or 15 people or families. Obviously, that's really important what I'm doing there. But when I'm making decisions in my role on the Children's Health Insurance Program, the decisions that I make impact, you know, 40,000 children in our state. And so there's a, a broader impact that you can have. So I'm sure we'll talk more about advocacy, but, you know, you don't have to do it as that broad at a state or federal level. There's a lot of local advocacy, even just advocacy within your own medical school or advocacy within your local community. It comes in all shapes and sizes. And there's also that individual advocacy advocating on behalf of that one patient. But with advocacy, you can, you know, go as, as far as you want to be able to, to advocate for a larger number of, of patients or families. Wow. I just want to say, like, that was a pretty cool origin story. Just, you know, seeing kind of on the timeline and spectrum of your life, kind of how it's been interwoven throughout, you know, not only like your childhood, but also through medical school and through your career now. But it's really interesting to think that this advocating really ties into, I think, why most people go to medical school in the first place, which is like to care for other human beings. And advocacy really is that, especially in like the medical sphere. It's caring for other human beings and speaking from a platform of medicine. And like, that's why we get this, like, we get this training to help others. And so it's like, why not also advocate because you have a voice that people are going to listen to? Um, I think it's a great point, Amy. Whenever I give talks on advocacy, I usually pause. And the first thing I say is, Why'd you go into medicine or why'd you go into healthcare? And I know everyone out there listening, you had to write it in your personal statement. Back in the day when I was on admissions committee, everyone, we all have had to write on our, you know, personal statement. Why do you want to go to medical school? Like if you've been interviewed for medical school, you have to say, you know, why do you want to go into medicine? And more times than not, almost any explanation can then be drawn back to advocacy, whether it's helping people, whether you've seen health disparities and you want to improve them, whether it's seeing that more people need access to medical care, there is such a link to whether it's health policy or, or sole advocacy, raising awareness about an issue. That is really what advocacy is. I think people get confused of like, what is advocacy? And, and just trying to get a definition. I think we're used to that in medicine. Like we have to have a definition for everything. And um, advocacy yes. is a little more broad. Um, so it's not maybe as easy to fall into to buckets. One of my advocacy mentors, he's actually on our Supreme Court of Appeals here in West Virginia. And, and he would frequently say, and I think it's good, like in scientists, we like things black and white. And sometimes in advocacy and health policy, there's it's more gray. And I mm -hmm. think that that's sometimes people in science, it can be hard to to accept that because we're like, here's the answer. I mean, it's plain and simple. And when you're talking about health policy decisions being made, there's a lot of factors that go into that, that sometimes I think gets frustrating for people because they're like, here's the answer. It's like plain and simple, but it can be a little bit more challenging because there's a lot of different 
perspectives that come into play if you're talking about legislative advocacy. And so I think that's sometimes why people think, oh, I can't engage in this or this isn't for me. But really, I think advocacy is for everyone. And and really, it's ingrained in what we do as physicians, whether you realize it or not, you're advocating every day, whether you're a med student on rounds who are like, hey, I got this in the history and it had never been presented before. And you're really trying to make sure that that's emphasized or, you know, you really feel that this patient you know, they need resources when they go home and we need to be linking them up with a social worker. I mean, that's a form of advocacy, whether it's when I call an insurance company to say, hey, I, this is an appeal, this procedure should be covered. I'm advocating, you know, for that one person. So there's a lot of advocacy that happens, perhaps if we don't even realize it, is just kind of speaking up on behalf of, of others. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So basically what you're saying is we're already involved in advocacy, even as medical students. So how should medical students, you know, they're like, you know, like, I get it. I am like on the phone talking to someone or like I am, you know, advocating for this one patient. But how would a medical student or a resident get involved in the bigger picture and like the more systems based things? Because I know like at our school, we have an actual course where we can go down to our capital and get involved with like some of the laws that are actually being made for the state. And we have like our interest group. But what about places where maybe those things haven't been founded or haven't been started yet? Great question or or point, Amy. One of the former presidents of the American Academy of Pediatrics, she was kind of, I would say, one of the first people that I realized in the AAP that I wanted to get involved. Her name's Dr. Sandy Hassink. And She said advocacy means creating a situation in which change can occur. And that really has resonated with me because there are those different levels, individual, community, state, federal advocacy. We are all busy. You know, if you're at any point in your medical education journey, you're busy for different reasons, whether, you know, you're studying, learning all this material, like trying to take a sip out of a fire hose versus being a resident where you're still trying to learn and drink out of the fire hose and manage a bunch of patients to when you're a faculty or if, you know, whether you work in an academic institution like myself or you're out in the community managing your own business, you know, you're, you're balancing and, and busy handling patients, always trying to keep up with new knowledge. So we're all busy, but I really feel personally strongly that advocacy is ingrained in our profession. We are the ones who speak out on behalf of our patients, whether it's identifying a need that they have. And we really are poised to make a difference because we also have the expertise. So there are policies that get made and we are the ones that can say, hey, this is how this really impacts my patient. I've seen a patient get admitted to the hospital because they weren't able to get access to the albuterol they needed for their asthma or their controller, you know, like a steroid controller medication. So then they get an exacerbation or perhaps they were around smoke and it was a trigger. And that further led 
to their asthma exacerbation. And so I've seen if, if that child doesn't have access to medical care, maybe they don't have health insurance, the impact that can have. And, you know, I'm having to take care of them in the hospital. But if they would have been able to receive medical care before that, they would have potentially not needed to be in the hospital or in that serious of a condition. So we're able to take those stories. So we take our expertise of understanding asthma and the different triggers and what we need to try to help control it. But then we compare with the story of a patient. Like I said, you know, I've taken care of a patient and you're, we're able to humanize it. So we can illustrate the problem. We can humanize it. And, and we're really informing policymakers if you want to engage in state or federal advocacy, which is what I think most people think of when we say this word advocacy. People think about going to your state house or the, the federal capital um, in DC and trying to impact policy change. I will say it can happen, you know, in far different areas than that. I mean, I remember as a medical student going to my local board of health meeting when they were trying to pass indoor air, which we were able to get passed as medical student. A bunch of my colleagues went, you know, we were lucky that it was just down the hill from our medical school. But for us, it was a, a break from studying. And really throughout my career, advocacy has been a point of wellness for me. It makes me feel like I'm doing something beyond solely studying, which studying for tests is really important. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Like <laughs> I get it. Like it's really important. You have to have that expertise. But, you know, for me, advocacy gives me a way to kind of reconnect and make me feel like my purpose is to try to help others. And it's certainly a marathon. It's not a sprint. I mean, there are many times where it gets frustrating, but you see those little victories that you have or the impact that you can have, and it really makes it all worth it. And so you have to celebrate the small victories and, and keep going and know that it's a marathon and certainly not a sprint. But as you said, Amy, it's really what we're already doing. I mean, we already do this day in and day out. I mean, we talk to patients, we get their history. And when I, then I go to advocate, obviously, I do it in a HIPAA compliant way. But, you know, I, I keep a list of kind of patient stories that resonate with me where I'm like, hey, you know, if we had a policy, this could have been prevented or could have been been better. Or, you know, when it comes to, say, like immunizations, like, you know, if I see a child who wasn't immunized for whatever reason and they present with a, a vaccine preventable disease in West Virginia, we don't see that that much. But I've heard of stories in other places around the country and, and, you know, I use that as a way to advocate as to why in West Virginia, we, we should maintain our strong immunization policies that have, you know, a much broader public health benefit. So I think that wherever you're at in your training, however much time you think you have, you can fit in advocacy. Maybe it's solely sending an email to one of your elected representatives, or maybe it is going to one of these meetings like I did on a night with some of my med school classmates. We walked down to the board of health meeting and then walked back up and kept studying versus maybe it's, you know, you get really involved and you talk about like Amy, the experience we offer at our medical school where you can actually go to our capital in our state, which is Charleston, West Virginia, and work with members of the legislature, you work through our West Virginia State Medical Association and work on drafting policy and trying to get it implemented and learning how the the legislative process works or going to DC and, and participating in an advocacy day there. So you can build it in for moments, like minutes of advocacy, literally like sending an email or calling your elected representative takes just like a few moments 
versus, you know, spending a whole weekend there or doing a, an entire rotation. You can weave it into your practice however you would want. And I would be completely remiss in an election year if I would not say, you know, vote. I mean, voting, people probably don't think how important that is, but, you know, request your absentee ballot if you're at a medical school that's not in your own state or, you know, I'm going to be requesting an absentee ballot this year just because of the, the pandemic. And so use your voice to speak up, learn about the issues and the policies and, and select elected representatives that share in ideals that are important to you because it's always easier to advocate and convince a people who have similar understanding or beliefs in certain policies when you're trying to get legislation passed. So regardless of who you vote for, just vote and learn the issues and, and determine why it's important for you. I just loved everything you said. I mean, it's just like, if you really are, you know, you're in your crunch time and you like feel like you don't have a lot of time, like you can call one representative and you can leave a message about something that you're like, you feel really strongly about or something that you want changed that you noticed on the wards or that you noticed from like a patient's story. But then you can also like, there are plenty of opportunities. They're there. You just have to kind of be open to finding them about, you know, joining um, maybe like some kind of like medical organization and then like going to Capitol Hill with them and advocating for the th- like the policies that they're interested in supporting. But it was really nice that you kind of like laid the groundwork, like you're kind of like, okay, like you can do this if you have a couple minutes, you can do this if you have a couple hours, you can do this if you're like, this is like what really brings like wellness to your life. So I just like, I really liked all of that. Thanks. Yeah. And for me too, I've met so many people across the country that are my friends that we advocate and, you know, really it just keeps us inspired and keeps us going. And it might not be for everyone. Like I'm not a huge bench researcher. Like that's just not my thing. I mean, obviously I work in academia, so I need to, you know, get published and things like that. But I kind of work more on the the public health side of, of research or things like that and how health policy impacts things. So you know, it might not be for everyone. And I'm not saying it has to be the whole part of your career. But if, if you're certainly, I think it should be part of everyone's career. And we need to have a basic understanding because it's going to impact us. Even if you are a big researcher, most research dollars are appropriated. So meaning they're, they're based upon state and federal government of how much research gets supported. So whether you, you like it or not, you still have to be engaged and have a basic understanding of the process. And really, a lot of those skills can be applied in multiple different scenarios. So a lot of these organizations, like you talked about, they kind of lay the foundation of what are the basics of advocacy? How can you be a more effective advocate using those stories, using your own personal experience? A lot of people on here, I know I was one, you know, you have a lot of debt, like when you were in medical school, right? Or when you're in residency. And so advocating about how that impacts your life and what we could do to try to help reduce that burden. You know, that's a big area of advocacy that that people kind of engage in. And so I think people are always kind of apprehensive, but you can kind of weave it in. And there's going to be times that you can be more engaged. And then there's other times that maybe you don't have as much time. But like you said, you can pick up the phone. Um, I'm a hashtag tweetatrician. Like there are times I'll tweet at different representatives, you know, or send them an email or make a phone call. One of my advocacy peers, she works at the Mayo Clinic, Dr. Aminadine, she likes to call elected representatives in the middle of the night because you leave a message. So like if you're a little more, you know, introverted and you don't necessarily want to talk to a person, you can call and leave a message and those get picked up too. So you're just, you know, it's a good way to practice too, so that you can just 
call and leave the voicemail of what you're advocating for. And then you don't even necessarily have to talk to that live person during the day. Or I think a lot of us, that's when we would have more time to do that type of work. But that still matters. It still makes a difference. And I think the role that physicians and, and really anywhere you're at in your medical education journey, you play a powerful role in creating that meaningful change because our voice makes a difference. When healthcare professionals call, elected representatives tend to listen because they know that we are experts in that certain area and that they want to listen to our opinion. People that are policymakers come from all different backgrounds. There are some people in healthcare, but there are people that have no health background whatsoever, but they're still voting on policy that impacts us all. So they need to be educated as well. And we have those stories and we have that experience that we can really make a powerful difference. So what this has really like told me from like this conversation is basically our voices do matter. And if I'm introverted, so hello, other fellow introverts out there, I don't even have to really talk to a person face to face or get up and stand in front of a committee to make change or to have my opinion be heard. Like I can leave an email or a voicemail in the middle of the night. So thanks for that tip. I found that, you know, we can get involved on like a really micro level with individual patients, but also get involved like with national issues. Should that be how like I want to spend my bandwidth and time? So this has just been like a really great talk, Dr. Costello. And I like really, really have appreciated opening this dialogue up with you and hopefully inspiring some of our listeners to seek out some of those opportunities and start using their voices because you guys are educated people and you like have so much to give to the world, not only with your caring for patients and medical knowledge, but also in how you see the processes working and the systems-based practices and how they flow and work and where the problems are and where solutions can be made. Yeah, I think that's all you hit them all as a good summary. And, you know, I would say kind of pick what is a policy priority for you. We all can't advocate about everything. You know, you have to, there's certain areas that you're more passionate about, like find what you're passionate about, then learn more about it. And and really relationships are really important. So I started forming a lot of these relationships when I was in medical school that I've maintained you know, through my early career. So literally people, you know, I mentioned one of my mentors who was on the state Supreme Court in our state. I met him as a medical student and I've just maintained that relationship. He's been in Congress. He's now on the Supreme Court of Appeals. And, and I have just maintained that relationship. And that's what we do in medicine, right? We form relationships with our patients. This is just forming that relationship with those policymakers. And then we use those stories paired with our expertise to make a difference. And Another great thing if people want to do, I did this as a first year medical student. I'll always remember you mentioned I'm from Weirton. My home hospital, they were going to do away with the pediatric unit, which I thought was not a good idea. Like I felt like we needed to have a strong peds presence. So I wrote a letter to the editor. Really, it was like an op-ed because it was far too like long for a letter to the editor. But I remember going into one of our study rooms and I just like wrote for some people they, you know, who are listening, they may find writing as a way that they kind of release or de-stress. And so I just kind of wrote and I talked about how I was a first year medical student and I was learning about healthcare and that, you know, I wanted to practice in my state and I wanted to become a pediatrician. And I just really felt it would be important for future generations that we, you know, maintain this pediatric unit. And it got social media was just kind of taking off back then that kind of says maybe how old I am, but you know, it got shared on different social media sites. And then they had like a board meeting about it and they decided to kind of keep the pediatric unit intact. And 
a lot of the nurses and providers in the area were really grateful that I spoke up. And I never thought just, you know, the letter I wrote in between my lecture studies would even get published, let alone have that big of an impact. So there's so many different ways that, that you kind of summarize that people can, can get involved and, and make a difference. And it really just takes that being willing to learn a little bit about it and then just being empowered and engaging in that. And then, like I said before, for everybody, you know, you can vote and that's going to be a very important process as well to make sure that your voice is heard in that regard as well. Right. That's, that's kind of the whole message of inspiring people to advocacy is, you know, like one little footstep, you might be starting on a marathon or like you might be creating that one little butterfly effect that creates a hurricane somewhere else in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I always like to say, it's never too late to advocate. I got involved as a medical student. I mean, maybe I got involved when I was in preschool. Like I said, you know, that's where I kind of just started seeing, oh, like it's important to try to help others. But where, wherever you're at in your career, you can always learn about it. And we all have experiences to share and we all do it for different reasons. There's different reasons that kind of drive us. But rest assured and know that, you know, it certainly does make a difference. And there's different ways out there that you can learn about it and, and make your voice heard. Perfect. So I wanted to ask you the question that I always ask any guest that I have on the show. So do you have a little nugget of knowledge, encouragement, or a tip or trick you picked up throughout your training that really helped you and you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Hmm, I have to think about this. Oh, yeah. A little nugget. You could definitely tell that I'm probably the more extrovert extrovert, because I certainly have no problem uh, filling space with talking. But this would be probably my nugget that I give to medical students or anyone. And I kind of have taken it to me too. You know, everyone's going to want to give you advice. I've just probably given you a lot of advice or recommendations. And everyone's advice is based upon their own experiences. At the end of the day, in the moment, do what you feel is best for you and your circumstances. Be smart about it and be, you know, make sure you do your research. But at the end of the day, you know, advice is advice. Get it from trusted people, get it from more than one individual. But at the end of the day, you know, take all of that and make the decision that you feel most comfortable in that moment and be okay with that and, and know that you're making that decision with the best experience, advice, understanding in that moment. And there's going to be times that you stumble and then there's going to be times where you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was the right decision. And there's going to be other times where you're like, oh man, like probably should have done this a little bit differently. And that's how we kind of grow. But that's, that's probably my nugget for everyone that I've just tried to embody. Cause as even now, like I always get advice or people quote unquote telling me what I should do. And, you know, you want to take it all and, and just kind of be a sponge. But at the end of the day, take all of that and, and make a decision wherever you're at for what's best for you in that moment and, and be okay with it and know that you did the best you could in that time. And so obviously I'd be remiss during the time of COVID to say, you know, hang in there, everyone. We'll get through this together. It's, it's certainly uncharted waters and we're certainly at most of the time building the ship as we sail through it. But I think the, the ship is getting stronger and the horizon's looking brighter. So hang in there and, you know, we're going to get through this together. Stay safe. Thank you. I really appreciate that little nugget and I'm sure our listeners do as well. I just, you know, I just think it's funny because that boiled down to basically like be your own advocate. So there you go. The advice is not only should you be an advocate for others, but make sure you're an advocate for yourself too. 
And see, that's why you're the podcast host, because you were able to trim that down. There are things like elevator speeches and advocacy, and I promise I'm better in that role. But for this podcast, I'll be a little bit more verbose. But yeah, be your own advocate. There we go. We need, I mean, we need both sides of the coin to get the point across. Some people need the bullet point and some people need to hear a couple paragraphs to really like have the message sink in. So I'm sure the message will get across to both types of people. (laughs) All right, everyone, that is it for today. Join us next time for even more high yield learning.